Hi, everyone. Welcome to Being Patient Perspectives. I'm Deborah Khan, founder of Being Patient. Today, we're going to talk about CTE um, or traumatic brain injury gained uh, from athletics. Um, Joining me is Cindy Fiesel. She is the wife of a pro football player, Grant Fiesel, um, who passed away in 2012 um, after a long career in football. So, Cindy, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So just just put a give us a little bit of background on on Grant's career. Um, you know he played football for for quite a long time. Um, so so tell us tell us what his career was. Well, he played actually from age eight to thirty two. So that's a pretty long career. He played for five years in college. He was a redshirted freshman, and then he played for ten years, one hundred and seventeen games in the NFL. So I think he had a fabulous career. Um, he played. Um, a lot of games and he played at the center position and he did all the extra points and field goals. Now, Grant, um, when he passed, um, um, you had thought he originally died um, from, I mean, he, he, he started to have problems and um, really was, became an alcoholic. Is, is that right? Yes. Um, I say that he got hooked on opiates in the NFL because they don't, think it's good, of course, to drink or to, um, you know, to do the things that a lot of people are saying is okay for brain injury now. But um, it was one of the things they did is I think he got hooked on Percocet and Vicodin whenever he played due to the injury. People forget that these are human beings. They're not a robot. They're real people. And so by the end of his career, he had a lot of substantial injuries. He'd had a lot of surgeries. He'd had a staph infection and he was um, getting Vicodin and Percocet on a pretty regular basis. So once he quit playing football, I mean, what are you supposed to do? You don't get a lasting prescription for your lifetime. So I think that's when he's, he really transferred into um, drinking heavily. And we were talking about this um, earlier. Uh, you know, it wasn't really, concussion wasn't that big a deal until we found out it was a huge deal, right? right. And so yes. while he was playing, um, was there concussion protocol? Uh, were people talking about when they got hit in the head, what would happen or would they just continue to play? Mainly they would continue to play. I mean, I can remember one specific incident when Grant was playing in Denver. Um, he went out for a series and of course then we didn't have cell phones so I had no clue what happened. When he came home that night to Seattle, I said, um, what happened when you went out for the whole series? And he said, oh, I got my bell rung. Only he said it was different this time than before. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He, and he did his hands like this. He said, everything went real small and it was all black around. So he used all of these words and he, he wasn't a big talker, but he was very specific about being able to just see like in a tunnel. And he said um, he remembered the pressure. Some player hit his head really hard from behind and, and smashed it into his chest. And he remembered that everything went black. And so he specifically remembered all of that. So they took him out for that series, but then he came back in and he finished the game. So um, no, there was no protocol. But again, I remember thinking if he didn't come in with a cast or crutches, that it was that we were good, right? I mean, never dreaming that the brain, I, I mean, I, we should have known that the brain was the most important thing, but I had never heard that the brain was soft like jello. And like an egg yolk, I had never heard these words used for the brain. I thought that the brain w had the hard skull around it and it was protected um, where it wouldn't move. I didn't realize that every hit, your brain sloshes around in your skull. 
So how did you find out that he had CTE? Um, It was after he died, actually. Um, His brain was donated to the Boston University and Dr. Ann McKee did the autopsy. And um, he came, his brain came back as stage three. So there's four stages of CTE and Grant had stage three. Um, It was, it was hard for me to believe. I didn't really know anything about it. I started pouring over all of the information that I could find in the media. Um, I just, I looked at every source that I could. I, I, I was, it was so hard for me to believe that he had died of something that suddenly was kind of becoming a current event. They were talking about it more and more after his death. And I don't even think he understood it. Um, we never really talked about it much other than Mike Webster dying of it and Junior Seau, but we had never really spoken of whether you know, he thought that he might have it. He said, you know, I think maybe I have what Mike had. And so all of these things were starting to come together for him at the end of his life. Um, he'd gone his whole life not knowing. We lived this traumatic life of, of addiction, having no idea that addiction and brain injury went together. So, so misunderstanding. In retrospect, though, did you notice changes in his behavior due to the concussion? I mean, I guess it's hard to separate the addiction from the... It is. It it is. And and a lot of the symptoms mimic each other. But it wasn't, you know, at the end of his life, things started really, um, you know, making sense with the CTE symptoms. When I looked at the Mayo Clinic's CTE symptoms, and I realized that all of those symptoms mimicked um, our life together, then to me, that's one of the reasons why I had to write a book to say, look, this is what happened in our life. Has it happened out there? Has anybody else gone through this? Because we've just lived through the CTE symptoms. I mean, over the years, Grant had suffered depression, anxiety, um, forgetfulness, mood swings, um, all sorts of personality changes. His vision had changed. So all of the classic steps of CTE Grant had lived through our entire marriage together. Yeah, it's it's um, it is really shocking that I mean, I, I you know, I, I think a lot of the publicity um, and also the pressure from the families of the athletes, the, the football players, people like yourself has have really blown this issue um, out into the open. Um, what is it specifically? I mean, you talk about the 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 construct of the helmet and the nose guard, I, I believe it is. Um, actually, he was a center. So he was a center. He was a center and, you know, they didn't, they just had plain old basic helmets. I mean, it wasn't anything souped up. There was no, I mean, there were pat, there was padding in it, but I'm just saying, I personally don't feel that there will ever be a helmet made that's going to protect your brain. I mean, is there, is there anything that if we put a cup full of jello inside of it and shook it around that would protect a cup of jello? I just don't think so. Um, you know, I'm contacted by people on a weekly basis that say they have the greatest helmet that they're coming out with and they want me to, to look at it. And, you know, cause I'm talking about CTE every day. So um, it'd be great. I guess they think if I'd be talking about some sort of great helmet, but I just don't think that there's ever going to be a helmet made that's going to be able to protect an egg yolk are a, a bowl of jello. So I have a hard time with football anymore just because of that. I know that um, it's going to continue. I'm not saying I'm trying to put it into it. I'm not fighting anybody over it. I'm just saying that this is what happened to my loved one and it's happening to a lot of other people on a regular basis.
So do you think, um, I mean, the L NFL, it, it took them a while, but they've now become more responsive to this issue. Um, you know, I, I think previously it was a, a, it was a denial, right? But they've yes. become a lot, a lot more responsive. Is, is football getting safer um, because of what has happened to people like Grant um, or, or what needs to change? I just don't think so. I mean, is there any other job out there where if men were dying on the job that the public wouldn't be having an outcry and saying, what is this ridiculous place where men go to work and they get brain damage and then they die? I mean, it's hard for me to believe that people continue to sit and watch it buy the merchandise and it's still a multi, multi, multi-million dollar business and people feed into it like the feed machine. And I don't think it matters who dies. They don't seem to care. Nobody seems yeah. to care. What about, Cindy, the diagnosis of it all? I mean, now that we do know more, do you think more athletes are getting diagnosed? Because, and, you know, when you are getting repeated hits to the head, is an earlier diagnosis um, helpful? Uh, well, I guess you could just make the choice to play or not to play. But, well, true. Um, and I always say I don't feel really sorry for anybody that's playing college and and professional ball now because they know the dangers. Um, it's just out there. And you've got to you got to be proactive. You've got to be your child's ad advocate as well. So, I mean, there's just too much out there to look at, too much scientific evidence. If my son was going to play football now, I would want to look at everything there was out there with uh, brain injury. It would be so important to me. Um, like, if you're going to buy a pair of sneakers, you're going to get on Amazon and you're going to look at all of the reviews. Why would you look at all the reviews about a head-banging sport if you were going to sign your child up to play or if you yourself were going to play as an adult. I mean, I think that Grant would have much rather been alive with our family than to have had an early death because of a sport he played. It was preventable. So I just, I don't know. I don't think that they're doing that much more. I don't, I think that they need to own up to it and say, yes, this causes brain damage and it can become more of a gladiator type sport. The people that want to play it, if you're 18 years old and you want to play a brain injury injuring sport, go for it. But I don't think children should be signed up for it without their knowledge of what's going on, going to happen to them in the long term. How and much um, how much research is there on CTE today? Like how, how many studies are being done, um, you know, um, on, on the other side, on the medical side? Do we know enough about it or is there still a lot more we need to know? Well, I think there's still a lot more than we need to know, but I think there's a lot more that we've found out just since Grant has died. I mean, we know now that uh, CTE is a degenerative brain disease. We also know that um, if you play head-banging sports, you have um, a chance of getting Parkinson's, dementia, uh, Alzheimer's, ALS. So we understand so much more now about um headbanging sports than we knew even 10 years ago. So I think that we're learning more and more, but I think there's much, there's, there's so much more that I think that, that we'll, that we'll find out about probably in the next 10 years, there'll be even more. So what is, um, uh, more specifically, we're talking about the NFL um, and we now know what the dangers are, the risks of playing football. But what has been the NFL's response to this to date? Um, how, are they making critical changes with maybe concussion protocol or um, where are we today on this issue? 
Well, I know that the protocol is in, but I think that people continue to play and they continue to come back in a season. I mean, a brain injury is serious. So, I mean, people probably shouldn't play again after they have a, a brain injury. And last year, I think we saw that players continued to play. Maybe they stayed out for a week or two and then they went back in and played again. So to me, that's not enough being done. But um, again, they know, the players know, they understand now that when they play this game, that there's a great chance that they're going to suffer in the long run because of the the head banging. Yeah, it's it is it's um, and like we said, you know, kids are playing at such um, a, a younger age. Um, you know, it's like maybe maybe even at the NFL, it's it's getting late to address this issue. Maybe it should happen um, with. I think football. so. It needs to happen really early on. Um, I think that the whole key here is not taking down the NFL. The whole key is talking to mothers and saying to mothers, please don't let your children play football until they're 14 years old, play flag football. And then after that, again, like uh, Dr. Amalu, who is one of the leading men in, in the CTE research, he says, if you're 18 years old and you wanna play a headbanging sport when you're 18, go for it because the world says you're an adult at that point. But up until then, you should definitely look at the evidence. There's too many other things that kids can do. They can swim. They can play tennis. They can play baseball. They can play basketball. There's a lot of other things that kids can do and not damage their brains. Of course, there's accidents. People want to argue with me about this every day. I'm not stupid. I understand. You can fall off of a chair and get a concussion. But if you're intentionally putting your child in a sport where every play of every game they're getting their brain rattled, you're setting your child up for a lifetime of heartache. So you talked a little bit about the depression and the anxiety, which led to addiction um, in Grant's case. But can you tell us a little bit more about the signs that you were noticing? Um, you know, give us more specific examples so that people have um, yes. some sort of reference. Certainly. I want to just read to you because I got this off of the Mayo Clinic website. Anybody can go there and get it, but it's it's my favorite one to look at. A short-term memory loss. Grant was having a lot of short-term memory loss. I would tell him a story that happened, you know, a week or two ago, and he would say um, he didn't really remember. So he was having short-term memory. Um, he was having trouble focusing on anything. Um, his vision was bothering him. He would go to the eye doctor and he'd get prescriptions changed, and yet they were still bothering him a lot. Um, he would run out of energy. He had to take a lot of naps. And now what I understand, because I know more about brain injury, if you have a brain injury, you have to rest more. You have to rest your brain. Um, I couldn't figure out why he was always so run down and tired. Um, he was processing everything slower than ever before. He was more irritable. I, it was like I could never say anything to him that he um, was happy about. He was always irritated, especially with me. It was like, um, he, I'll give you an example. One of the things he said to me is, Cindy, when I hear your voice, it sounds like nails on a chalkboard. Okay, so I irritated him. My voice irritated him. He had anxiety. He took anxiety medication, but there was a, even an incident where he had to go to the emergency room because his heart palpations were causing so many problems. He was thinking he couldn't breathe and having problems with that. So anxiety was a huge issue. The least little thing would just make him, he couldn't talk about anything long-term because it would give him anxiety. Um, and he did have problems with depression and probably the last seven years of his life, he spent a lot of time trying to adjust medications for depression. 
So those were all um, just signs. And I will tell you another one that I think is really interesting that people don't put together. Because Frank was an alcoholic, I thought that when he was walking and wobbling when he walked, that it was due to the alcohol. But now I think a lot of that was just because his gait was off because of the brain injury. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I didn't even put those two things together until I researched that more myself. But he was having a lot of problems with balance and he had a lot of problems with sleep. And people don't understand that sleep and brain injuries go hand in hand, too. Yeah. And actually, as you're making that list and we had spoken about this earlier, um, the similarities, I mean, in the end, you know, CTE um, presents itself like dementia in the brain. You have the plaques, you know, and the, and the tangles in the brain that lead to um, degeneration of the brain. So effectively, in the longer term, it, 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 it is a lot like dementia, um, yes. Alzheimer's. Yes, definitely. And I, I know that they can't tell if you have CTE living until you until they do the pathology. I understand that. But I do think that now that we know more of the symptoms that doctors can pre-diagnose uh, uh, more now than ever before. So I, it makes me incredibly sad that Grant spent his whole life so misunderstood and our marriage so misunderstood as well. Even though he was an addict, he was a brain damaged addict. I mean, I didn't know what drove him to that, you know? So it was just so many uh, misconceptions. And I hate that he himself didn't have any peace in knowing that all of that had to do with, with what his life choices were, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But um, Cindy, we want to thank you for for highlighting this issue and bringing it, you know, more out into the public. Um, I know a lot of people in our audience will find this interesting. Um, you know, anyone who has um, a parent or a loved one with dementia, yes. uh, we definitely also worry about our children, right? And yes. so. Um, yes. The two are not too far apart if you have a, a child athlete um, who plays contact sports. So thank you. Um, the name of your, could you could you talk about a little bit about your book? What's, what's the name of yes. your the, the name your of book? my book is After the Cheering Stops, and it's available on Amazon. It'll come straight to your door. You can also get it wherever books are sold, but I just say Amazon's the best go-to. There's a lot of great reviews on the book um, on Amazon as well. And I just always say that if I can save one person from putting their child in a sport that could hurt hurt them, that I feel like that that is the reason why the book was written. So um, I'm just grateful and thankful for the opportunity to come and talk. You can also reach out to me on Facebook. Um, I like to visit with anybody that, that has any questions and wants to talk. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook, but I just, um, again, appreciate the, the chance to talk to you. Alzheimer's is near and dear to my heart. My grandmother died of Alzheimer's. So I'm interested in the brain and I'm interested in um, helping people understand. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you so much for sharing your story. We're, we're really grateful. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good night.